Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Amen. Of course, we are, we are keenly aware of what's going on in our, not just in the United States, but also in other parts of the world. And there's a lot of, a lot of chaos, a lot of earthquakes and floodings and famine and scripture talks about all these things and and the Bible says we ought to know the, the times and the seasons those of us who have been born again those of us who are in his word amen, amen. so he said not don't let them don't let it catch you by surprise only to catch you off guard but in the midst of it all we serve a God who is able. Y'all know he's able this morning? Oh, yes, he is. Do y'all believe that he's able? Yes. Amen. Amen. We're going to get right into our lesson. Uh, so this is our fall quarter. And we're dealing with the covenants with God. Unit 1, the signs of God's covenant. And uh, these are some of our resources that we used. The uh, ESV. Bible Knowledge Commentary, Standard Publishing, Lesson Commentary, and Christian Life Series, Union Gospel Press, was one of our primary sources. Uh, today's lesson, we're dealing with the covenant of circumcision, or your lesson topic may have been just circumcision, but since we're dealing with covenants, I added to our title is a covenant of circumcision. In the Hebrew, it's Berit Milah. Berit Milha, uh, that is the Hebrew rendition of the covenant of circumcision. And uh, last week, how many of you remember anything about the sign from last week? Yes, sir, Brother Kevin, you got a mic? How many mics do we have out there? Oh, he got one. The rainbow. The rainbow. Okay. Uh, and the name Noah actually means rest. And his name, the name Methuselah means his death shall bring. And so what was the sign that God would not destroy the world? And Kevin shared that with us. Uh, so in, in spite of what they're predicting about uh, Hurricane Irma and what uh, Harvey has done in reference to, to uh, flooding. We are assured of one thing. And that one thing is what? He will not destroy the, the world again by flooding. So there will not be a universal flooding of the world again. And he gave us that assurance. And, and then he, he, he made a covenant with man. Uh, through Noah, that he would not do so. And he gave us the rainbow as a sign of the covenant. So who knows the first or the top color of the rainbow? You need a mic? You say yellow. What is it, What is it, Miss Pat? Red. Red. Miss Pat said red. She's actually right. The top color is red, and the bottom color is violet, or you could say purple. And uh, I wouldn't have known neither had I been not been studying the lesson. But how many colors a, is it? How many colors is it? That's a good question, and I knew that until you asked me. We're gonna let you find that out for us by the end of the end of the lesson. <laughs> Does anybody know how many colors there is in the rainbow? There are in the rainbow. Seven. Somebody said seven. Okay. So the seven covenants and seven colors rather in the rainbow. The rainbow is the sign of the covenant that God made with man not to destroy the world again with water. So if the first color is red and it is, and it's the, it's the top color, 
What could that color remind us of also by way of covenants? The blood of Jesus. And it's a covering. Is, is, it, is it a coincidence that it's the, it's the top color? Is it a coincidence that when they came out of Egypt, that God said put the blood over the doorpost? And God said, when I see the blood, he'll do what? He'll pass over. So I don't know if there's a connection or not, but I just, just kind of, sometimes my mind just goes out there. And, and for me, you know, if it, the top color is red, my man brought out it's a covering. It's good to be covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen. For all those that are going through Irma and Harvey and, and Jose and who, what the other one is coming along beside, behind them. It's a good thing to know that you're covered by the blood. Because if you're covered by the blood, then it will remind you what Jesus told Mary and Martha. Anybody remember what Jesus told Mary and Martha when they was crying about Lazarus when he had died? I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And all those that live and believe in me, Jesus said, they would do what? They will never die. In other words, you would transition from this earthly tabernacle to a new home. And incidentally, in John chapter 14, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And that place that he's talking about in the original language he says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. That word mansions is resting place. So I'm going to prepare a resting place for you. Isn't that great to know? Amen. That when the toils of this life is over, Amen. we got a resting place. Amen. Amen. So remember, we're talking about the signs of the covenant and, and, and how scripture, all scripture is just tied, all weaved together. And all scripture it points back to Jesus. So when you read scripture, whether it's the Psalms, the Proverbs, or, uh, the law of Moses or the New Testament, you ought to be looking for Jesus. Amen. Uh, September 9-11, we're coming upon uh, celebrating that. We're remembering, rather, that, that what happened during that time. And back when it happened, there was a... a uh, metal beams that that withstood withstood the uh, devastation, and those metal beams, this metal beam rather, it ended up surviving, and it was a cross that was in the rubble. And they actually took that that metal beam and they placed it in a memorial museum as a symbol or a sign of hope. However, we must understand there is no peace on earth. Until the Prince of Peace comes and declare peace. So it's in spite of what uh, King Jong-un is, is doing to, to threaten the whole world. And the world is saying we're going to put him in his place. They're really not going to put him in his place. And what's going on in Iraq and Iran and, you know, with the Arabs and so forth and the Muslims, the Sunni, Sunni Muslims and all that. All that's going to keep going on. There's nothing that our current administration can implement or either the United Nations can implement that's going to bring peace to our world. You need to understand that. Things are not going to get better. So you can tell your co-workers, if they're telling you it's going to get better, it ain't getting no better. You know, and I, I know we heard the slogan, let's make America great again. Well, I hate, no, I don't hate to be the bearer of bad news. I, I'm the bearer of of, of the prophetic word of God and the prophetic word of God says that if you abandon me and we're moving on right yeah. introduction somebody want to read to us the introduction those of us here this morning have the benefit of some basic information concerning creation fall flood and the tower of Babel and because of one man's disobedience, death passed not only to all men, but animal, animal kingdom, 
plant kingdom, and all creation, including us here, are groaning. Amen. According to Romans chapter 8, around verse 20, it talks about how all creation is groaning, and we're groaning, waiting for the redemption of these bodies. And so we find that even in the world, the, uh, the whole creation is groaning. They, they, it's, we're waiting, and it's waiting for things to be set right again. Because of what happened in the garden, it brought in a devastation and, and destruction and, and amongst everything. Wow. Look at that. That was cool. Duh. So, so we're all groaning, and then further on, we find that we're all waiting the redemption of these bodies. Harvey caused devastation. Irma is on the way. Jose is right behind her. We are waiting for the Prince of Peace to come. Well, how do we know he is coming? He gave us a sign. Amen. He gave us a sign. And he has did, as he did with Abram, we will see that God is a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. Amen. It's good to know that God is a covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. How many of you remember from last week what the word covenant means? Need a mic, need a mic. It's agreement. It's an agreement. His people. You had something else to add, Miss? No? You sure? Okay. Anybody else? An agreement. Okay. It's uh, when you look at covenant that God makes with man and uh, some authors and some writers say that it's it's really more. It's, it, it is an agreement, but it's it's actually more than an agreement, because when I signed up, go ahead. I, what I taught my kids last Sunday was it's a promise. It's a promise. It's a promise. OK. You also could say that a covenant is a bond in blood that is sovereignly administered. A bond in blood that is sovereignly administered. And that's why you hear the phrases like when God, God cut covenant with man. And remember, uh, if you studied the book, I don't want to get hit of the lesson, but so covenant is an agreement, uh, it's a promise. It's a bond in blood that's sovereignly administered. So you have covenants between God and man. You have covenants between man and man. You have a covenant between man and God. And so there's, there's different types of agreements or covenants or promises. But one thing that when God makes a covenant or a promise to man, what can we be assured of, class? God's going to keep his side. And in some cases, God has to, uh, in making a covenant with, with, with man, he has to kind of overlook man because he realizes that man may not keep, keep we may not keep our side, right? So, so God in his sovereignty, he holds up his side and it includes keeping us. Amen. For example, God promises in the New Testament that he would never Leave us in what else? Do we believe that? You know, it, it, it's Miss Pat said it gets hard sometimes, but 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 really think about it. If you never get in a position to where you're totally dependent upon God, will you ever realize that God promised that He would never forsake me? But it is in those times when you get placed in those positions, in those situations, that you realize God said he would never leave me. And he's here with me right now. My, my mother and my brother forsake me. Family members will turn their backs on me. But it's good to know that what God said Get along with God in your secret closet. God remind you, don't worry about it. 
I'm right here. I said I'd be right here. And every now and then, God will he allow you to feel his presence. Grandma used to say, I wouldn't serve a God that I couldn't feel every now and then. I know we say it ain't all about feelings, but God gave me feelings. And if God gave me feelings, every now and then I thank him for allowing me to feel him. Moving on the altars of our heart. You know, sometimes when he just show up in the sanctuary, like he did last Sunday. Y'all remember last Sunday? And he went to moving from, from heart to heart. He started up in the choir and then he, he just went to moving around the sanctuary. Hallelujah. Yes. Matter of fact, I can feel him moving right now. So God, God is such a good God. And God is such an awesome God. God gives us a revelation that he knows the end from the beginning. And according to Chuck Missler, and was keeping in line with what we're talking about, covenants, God revealed his plan in Genesis chapter 5. In Genesis chapter 5, when you see the lineage of, uh, you know, in the, of the begats, when Adam and Seth, and then Enosh, and then uh, Enoch, and the Bible says Enoch, uh, he walked with God, according to what Hebrew says, and he was not because God took him. But before uh, he was translated, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And, and something very interesting about Enoch is the Bible says Enoch lived, according to Genesis chapter 5, I think verse 22 or so, says Enoch lived 65 years and he begat Methuselah. And the Bible says, and Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years. So evidently something happened after he begat Methuselah. Uh, and I, I'm trying to edit my slides and I hope I didn't delete everything. I think I did. Wow. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'll tell you what it is. Well, I really wanted y'all to see that too. Hmm. The name Adam, Seth, Enosh, Keanan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. Oh, there it is. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it back there. So if you look at the names, the names of, of uh, these, these, these men, the name Adam is man. The root name for uh, Seth is appointed. Enosh is mortal. Keanan is sorrow. Mahalalel is the blessed God, means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death shall bring, and that's why after Methuselah died, if you do the mathematics, you'll find that the day that Methuselah died, that's when the flood came. So his death brought in the flood. And Lamech means the despairing, and Noah means rest. So God's plan from the beginning was, man appointed mortal sorrow, the blessed God shall come down, teaching his death, shall bring the despairing rest or comfort. Ain't God all right? God said all the way back in Genesis, he says, I'm coming down. He says, because y'all ain't going to have rest till I come down. And Chuck Missler, he brings this out. That man appointed mortal sorrow because of the, because of one man's sin says the blessed God shall come down teaching his death shall bring the despairing rest or comfort. All the way back in Genesis, he planned to come down. And the Bible says it was fought in two generations that Jesus came down. 
So as we get to our lesson, uh, Genesis chapter 11, it talks about the Tower of Babel, and that's significant because when we look at Abram, and we're going to read Abram chapter 17, somebody read verses 1 through 13, and we get right into the lesson. Abram, I said Genesis, I'm sorry. <laughs> Abraham chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. My wife said, you said Abraham. One thing about your wife, daughter, be able to correct you, right? Uh, and when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thy perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. Am I wrong? Genesis 17. Genesis 17. Mm hmm. You're right. Oh, okay. I just heard some whispering. I thought I was reading wrong. Oh. They're <laughs> still looking, looking for Abraham. Right and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither, neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be thy God. And God said unto Abram, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thy and thy seed after thee and thy generations. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. And he shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generations. He that is born in the house or bought with money or any stranger, which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought, bought with thy money must, must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Keep reading. Yeah, 14. And the uncircumcised man-child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people, and he hath broken my covenant. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you. So Abram, before his name is changed, he comes out of a post-Babel period. And if you remember in, in Genesis chapter 11, uh, they Nimrod, he, he sought to build a tower of Babel, and the name Nimrod means I will revolt. And scripture talks about how uh, they, they, could, they could achieve whatever they imagined. And so God came down and he confused their language. Hence we get the name Babel, which is confusion. And so they were dispersed then to all of the world. One of the things that's significant about uh, when they were, the Bible says they were of one mind is that God had originally told Adam in the Garden of Eden, he told him to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And so when Noah comes off the ship, God commands Noah and Shem, Ham, and Japheth 
he gives them the same uh, commandment to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. And the problem with Nimrod is he did not want to replenish the earth because he was going to set up camp right there. So I'm just just kind of thinking, OK, well, he's not replenishing the earth because he's going to set up camp there and build a tower up to God. And there's still a lot. There's a whole lot of theories behind that. We won't get into that. Uh, you know, it talks about astrology and so forth. But anyway, so 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 Abram, then he's called out of a post Bible period. And he called Abram and Hebrews 11, 7 says Abram obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he would later receive for an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. So what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. We know that. But practically speaking, faith is taking God at his word then acting on what he has said. So faith comes by what, class? And hearing by what? Hearing by what everybody else say. The word of God. Amen. So Abraham's journey, uh, if you look at the yellow, he's called out of earth and he journeys to Haran he sets up camp in Haran, and the thing about it, he took his father, and he took Lot with him, and God told him to leave his father's house and leave his folks, but he brought some of his folks with him, and so consequently he gets to Haran, and he stays there until his father dies. Then after his father dies, Scripture says, he continued to journey on, and he ends up to where God was calling him. In the land, what we know now is the land of promise, or the land of Canaan. And so the land of Canaan, we know from, from uh, history and from the, what the Bible says for the Israelites, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. But at the time, Abram was, of course, alone. He didn't have any offspring. He had a wife. He had a nephew. Amen. And so his journey took him to where God was leading him. But sometimes it's hard for me to leave a place when I don't know where I'm going. Uh, am I the only one that have that have an issue with that? It's hard to leave. Can, can, if God called you to just leave your job, for example, and says, leave your job and I got a better job for you or I got another job for you. Could you just up and leave your job? A lot of folks said no. and It'd be hard for me. Be hard for me because, you know, I kind of like to know where I'm going because I have, a, I, I used to just, before it came out GPS, I used to sit down and log out and plan out on my map, on a map, where we're going, how we're going to get there and so forth. And even now, you know, I like to know where I'm going. But if I get lost, uh, Brother Stevie, I don't want to ask nobody though. And I sure don't want my wife to know that I'm lost. But anyway, that's another story, right? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> on that note, that's kind of my testimony when you say to leave a job. Mm -hmm. uh, I had to leave a job after 31 and a half years. Um, I remember one day when, I mean, I was working here part-time. I got in the car, God says, time. And I'm like, okay. All my life, I've been one job. Went to Kroger every week. My name's on the schedule. I clock in. I've taken care of my children. Uh, when I started, I had no children. Now, all of a sudden, you got to leave. It was okay to that last week when I went in and my name wasn't on the schedule anymore. Where is my name? Because you don't work here anymore. And when I started looking at uh, what I was going to be making here, Compared to what I was making there, mm -hmm. <laughs> it was hard <laughs> to even perceive how God's going to do this. I got two children to take care. Mm. I was struggling as was. And all of a sudden now, and it was hard. It was hard. But I knew that I was going to do what God said do. I mean, I knew that. 
Because when I, when I even looked at it, I said, God, when I looked at the figures and stuff, I said, I can't do this. And I said, no, God, if you tell me to do it, you're going to take care of me and my children. And I kept on walking. And I'm here standing today sitting as a living testimony. Amen. He'll do just what he said. Just what he said. Did we talk about that earlier? That he promised to leave, not to leave us nor forsake us? Amen. And, and looking at your, uh, your boys, it don't look like they, was, they didn't went hungry any time either. <laughs> Amen. He's a provider. God will provide. So Abraham is tested. God tested Abraham seven ways. Uh, go, looking back over Abraham's life, the first test was the call to leave Ur. The second test was uh, in the famine when God sent a famine and he went down to Egypt. Remember, he went down to Egypt and he, and he li had to lie. And uh, God had to, God cursed Abimelech's family because Abram lied. And, and uh, then the, the, the third test was riches. When he came out of Egypt, the scripture says he had abundance of flocks and, and, and he had abundance of sheep and, and so did Lot. And so he had such abundance, both him and Lot, that they had to part company because the land wasn't big enough to hold and feed both of their flocks. So Lot, he went down to where class? He went down, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. But Abram, he stayed where he was. And so Lot thought he had the best of the deal because the land was fertile down in Sodom. So everything that looks good to you may not be good for you because the Bible says that the men of, 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 of Sodom and Gomorrah was exceedingly wicked exceedingly wicked and so the, 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 the four tests of the test of power he defeats the kings, the five kings and he comes back and uh, him and his, him and his, those servants that was in his household and he's tested with power and that's the time when he met uh, Melchizedek Melchizedek said that El Elyon had given you this victory. And so God revealed himself to Abram, not only as, as uh, Yahweh, uh, but he reveals himself now to, as, as El, El Elyon, the Most High God. And in the fifth test was the test of delay when God had promised him a, a seed, a son, and he didn't have one. And so that's when Sarah and, and, and Abram tried to help God out. And we all know what resulted from that, right? A child of the flesh. When when Ishmael was born, so that's the, the fifth test was the, to the test of delay, and then of course the sixth test was Sodom, and the seventh test we offered up Isaac. But here we're going to get into the, the covenant promise, the promise of covenant, and God appears to Abraham for the fifth time, and apparently this time is like no other, because the previous times when God appeared to Abraham, says so Abraham gets into the dialogue with God. So God appears to Abraham these previous times in Genesis 15. Abraham, he talks with God and he says the word of the word of God appears to him in a vision. And in verse two, Abraham, he talks to God, look, you have given me no offspring. God confirms his prominent with an initial covenant. And that's when God told Abraham to take animals, lay them side by side and he cut them in half. And that's when the Bible says God put Abraham to sleep. And God walked through the middle of the halves of the animals to establish his covenant. Letting, God was letting us know that he was going to keep the covenant because Abraham was not able to keep it. Because he put Abram to, to sleep, basically. And Abram believed God in, in, in Genesis chapter 15. It says, and Abram believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So when did God, or when did Abram rather, Receive the righteousness of God. I just told you. In Genesis 15, when he said that Abram believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. So there was nothing that Abram did to earn righteousness. Abram just put his trust in what God had said. After God had revealed to himself to Abram on numerous occasions. So there was a progression in the revelation of God to Abram. 
God revealed, God uh, spoke to Abram in, in Genesis 11, and along the way, God just began to reveal himself uh, to Abram in his various names, like El Elyon in, in Genesis chapter uh, 14, and so forth and so on. So, we get to, it has been now 25 years since God's initial call to Abram. So, when first God first called Abram to leave Ur, Abram was 75 years old. And then it's been 13 years since Abram and Sarah tried to help God out. Now we find in our lesson this morning, the Lord appears to Abram as God who was standing in the mountain. So I'm going to read for us this slide. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Contrast that with this. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. In these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? So the last time God appears to Abram, it says the word of the Lord appears to Abram. This time it says, what? The Lord, God Almighty. He says, he, he, he revealed himself to Abram, first of all, as Yahweh, you know, the, 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 the initial name, self-existent God. And now he reveals himself as El Shaddai. And so notice what happens to Abram after God reveals himself as being El Shaddai. He says, walk before me and be thou blameless, or your, your translation might say perfect. That word perfect or blameless from the Hebrew word talmim, it means integrity, truth, upright, without blemish or complete. Uh, he says, walk with me and be blameless, basically what he was telling Abraham, Abram rather. For, uh, uh, writer says, and I don't know if it was in this commentary, but another one says that apparently Abram's walk with God could stand or use some improvement. And so God now encourages him, says, walk before me and be blameless, or walk with me and be blameless. And we talked about Enoch uh, in the past, and in any case, Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah, and Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. And what's significant about walking with God? What do you, what's significant to you about walking with God? Even in the New Testament, when it talks about that, anybody got any comments on it? To to me, it denotes a intimate relationship with Him. Okay. That that you have faith and you believe and and you be obedient. Amen. So, intimacy, obedience, and trust. Intimacy, obedience, and trust. Then. Amos, I think Amos 3 and 3 talks about how can two walk together except they agree. It's hard to walk with God when you don't agree with God. Amen. It's hard to walk with our fellow man if we don't agree with our fellow man. Matter of fact, we can't walk with our fellow man. Even, with, even in, in a relationship with a husband and wife, it's hard to get along in the same house if you are always in disagreement. Amen. You know, they talk about give and take. Really, a relationship is most, it, is, it should be 100% giving. But we won't get into that right now. I'm learning that, you know. I'm like, okay, if I give, then I need to get something in return, right? No, love says, I give you what you need without expectation of reward. 
And so Abram, he agrees with God. He begins to walk with God as God has prescribed. And of course, now you have to understand that the Bible talks about Job says he was he was upright and innocent. Uh, he was blameless, rather. Job was blameless. But in Job being blameless, because God even said, have you considered my servant Job? That he was blameless. But at the end of Job's soliloquy, Job, he has to repent. And so if, if Job is how we perceive sometimes as being blameless, that means that we never sin. No, that's not what it means. Because man, you know, because we're in this flesh, we miss the mark. Not on purpose, but we miss the mark. So there's a difference in walking with God and merely living. Merely living. Questions, comments before we go on. So the text indicates that the Lord appeared to Abram. Previously, it mentions that the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, as I read in Genesis 15. El Shaddai perhaps means God, the mountain one. According to Zondervan, uh, this special name which God reveals himself occurs 31 times in the book of Job and 17 times in the rest of the Bible. According to the Bible knowledge commentary, Shaddai refers to his ability to supply abundantly or to his majestic strength. So God appears to Abram and Abram sees God as one who was standing in the mountain, one who was able to supply abundantly, one who was majestic in strength. And so Abram now, he, he, has, a, he has another perspective of God. And because Abram had this perspective of God, notice what happens in the, in, the, in the next verse of Genesis 17, verse 3. Genesis 17, verse 3. Somebody read that, that for us. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Remember back in Genesis 15, when God, the word of the Lord appeared to Abram, and Abram had something to say to God? You know, look. You've, given, you've not given me a son. You know, you ever had your, your kids to say something to you? You know, you, you said you was going to take us to the fair. <laughs> I had to work late. You know, like you got to explain yourself to your child, right? Yeah, you said you, said you was going to take us to the mall. Get to the mall. You said you was going to give me some money. But, but notice here. In this passage, the Bible says, after God appears to Abram as El Shaddai, apparently Abram sees God now in a different, from a different perspective. Why do we say that? Because it says immediately, Abram fell on his face. Fell on his face. He couldn't speak. He just had to bow down. Does that remind you of anywhere else in scripture? Remember what happened when, when John on the Isle of Patmos and he sees what he thinks is an angel but it's not really an angel? And then what happens to Ezekiel? And what, what about when Isaiah, when King Uzziah died? Scripture says, I saw also the Lord. What did Isaiah say? Oh, woe is me. So Abraham, he has such, a, such an awe of God that the Bible says he fell on his face. You ever had such a sense of God's presence that all you could do was just bow down and just reverence him? Couldn't say nothing? Just realize how wretched how wretched I am, but yet I have a relationship with this God who is 
who was just as awesome as, as all I could ever think of. So the Bible says he fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you. So the Robbins Air Force Base, when the general enters the room, all are asked to stand. The Muslims are accustomed to kneeling during their worship with their forehead touching the floor. But with us, as a whole, we don't know what it means to fall prostrate before El Shaddai. But maybe we need to learn. Abraham kept a sense of awe and reverence before God Almighty. So what, what do you think would happen if uh, those of us that are here this morning, what would happen if we all, during the worship service, you know, as, as uh, songs are being, being sang and, and, and prayers are being prayed, and all of a sudden, at one time, all of us that are here this morning got up and assembled down to the front of the church, and we just fell on our face. I need help getting up. <laughs> what do you think would happen to the rest of the folks? Some would probably say, well, I wonder what's wrong with them, you know. Some would probably make comments, you know, well, I don't, it really don't take all that. Any comments in reference to just, just thinking about that? No? Yes, ma'am. Got a mic. A lot of times we hinder the spirit from doing what it, it wants to do. And then, we, like you said, following our faith towards God, mm -hmm. a lot of times we worry about what people are going to think, like you said. You know how they're going to look at us and stuff. But you don't know nobody's story, and you don't understand their praise, and you don't know what they've been through. So sometimes it do take that and more. Amen. Amen. And do you also realize that there are some folk, they want to get free like you are, but they're bound and they're so concerned, like she said, about what others are going to think of them. But as, as the song that I think we sang when, when time, Brother Stevie said, that last time when I sang, said, I'm free indeed. Thank God I'm free indeed. No chains are holding me. That's this who I choose to be. You know, sometimes in a worship service, the Holy Spirit, he'll, he'll lead you. He'll lead you to, to uh, you know, give God, lift your hands and give, give God praise. And you know, if, you know what happened? If you would quench the Spirit and you would just sit there and you know, like, you know, I ain't, ain't going to do it. Because this battle goes on in your mind between the flesh and the Spirit. And you don't do it, right? And so he may come back again and says, you know, lift your hands and just say hallelujah. And you quench the spirit again. You know what he'll do? He'll just leave you alone for the rest of the service. And you'll be like, like, tell me again to do it. That, uh, that, does that happen to anybody else? It's happened to me. That's why I try to be, whenever the Spirit says, okay, because you know, I try to tune all these distractions out. Spirit says, okay, go and lift your hand, because when you lift your hand, you know you're telling God, thank you. That's in, in the Hebrew, tahila. It, says, uh, it, it, means, it means thank you, and it means to lift up hands with your palms out. So when we do that, it, it, we're praising God. Is, we've been talking about worship, you know, this whole year, you know, and I'm, I'm looking for a, I'm looking for a change in, in folks in congregation, you know, I'm looking for folks that, that didn't normally ordinary praise God. I'm looking for them to, to kind of show some signs that they, 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 they're not beginning to understand and know God. That's why the Bible, the scripture says, let us exalt his name 
together. You know, it's a command that we should enter into his courts with thanksgiving, into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. It's not a suggestion. It says, be thankful unto him and bless his name. Do we really understand that? Do we have an opportunity as a corporate body? Now, I'm just thinking, you know, and they show you these show you these Muslims in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in their temple. All of them come in. They all falling down. But yet we're supposed to be free. But all we like to do is come and look. I know I'm not. I'm preaching to the choir now. I know that. No, it's not y'all. But we got folks that like to come and look. You know, come and watch what Kalea and them going to do. You know, if they have praise dances, what they going to do. I know we're getting close to the end. I know. I'm sorry. Have you ever wondered if you were going to receive a promise from God that you got, your, got years ago? Anybody got a promise from God that got years ago and you wondered whether or not you was going to receive it? So what promises do God keep? All his promises. Promises that he make. Including, including the promise that he would discipline those he loves. How many of you know that's a promise? <laughs> if he loves you, <laughs> he's going to chasten you. If he don't chasten you, that means you're illegitimate. You don't belong to him. So to reinforce the promise God made with Abraham, there are two things that's noted. There's a name change. What does the name Abram mean? Abram means what, class? Exalted father. Exalted father. What does the name Abraham mean? Father of many nations. Father of many nations. So God changed his name from exalted father to the father of many nations because God had promised that descendants uh, were going to, kings and, and all descendants were going to come out of him. So what descendants does he have at this stage of his life? Well, he does have one. He's got Ishmael. He got hit yet Ishmael in chapter 16, right? That's not the promise, see, right, but he has a descendant. He's a descendant of Abraham. And even through the descendant, God fulfills part of his promise because God had promised Abraham that, you said, go ahead. I think Abram thought that was the promise. Right. I believe, you know, because uh, God told him, and I don't think at the time Abraham, Abram, fully understood what God was saying because God told him, because Abraham first said, well, my servant Eliezer, mm -hmm. you know, because he was in the house and he thought that was going to be his servant seed. And God said, no, mm -hmm. the seed will come from your own body. Mm -hmm. And when he had Ishmael, now this is me thinking, Ishmael, even though they were trying to help God out, but Ishmael came from his own body. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. From that aspect. So I really think that he may have genuinely thought at that time that that was going to be this could have thought that was really the seed of the promise but that ain't what God meant right and the Bible talks about how God was going to bless Ishmael y'all remember reading that so you can be blessed by God but, but not be in covenant with God amen Ishmael was not in covenant, was not part of the covenant as uh, Sister Rose brought out, because the, the covenant would be with Isaac, as we know of. So people of the covenant, Abraham has one son at this point, Ishmael, whose mother was Hagar. God promises a greater fruitfulness to come. It will be seen in the birth of Isaac and later in the birth of six sons to Keturah. In Genesis chapter 25, 1 and 2. However, the key to the covenant promise is Isaac. Through the grandson of Isaac, Jacob, whose name changed to Israel, will have 12 sons and daughters and one daughter. But then we know the 12 sons will become the 12 tribes of Israel. Right? 
of which will will inhabit the 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 land of promise because they they, they dispart, dispense the land to the various tribes. You know, with uh, who can name the twelve tribes for twenty dollars? <laughs> twenty dollars, Alex. I got twelve for twenty dollars, Alex. You see them. Okay, even so, there appears to be a dual fulfillment as it is with your, to you, your offspring, after you, throughout the generations. So the fulfillment is in the generation of Abraham's seed until the ultimate fulfillment is seen in Christ himself. So are we connected in any way to this promise, or to this covenant? How are we then connected with this covenant, biblically speaking? Yeah, you know, whatever your answer is, you've got to be biblically based, right? So you've got to have a scripture to support it. Anybody? I'll let you think about it and we'll come back to it. So when you find it, come back to it. Give you a, a hint. It's in Galatians. <laughs> Might be in Romans too. The one that I know about is in Galatians. That's in Ephesians? That's one you think about. Okay. So we're grafted in to a wild olive, as a wild That might have been Romans. You might be right. As a wild olive branch, and we were grafted in. Maybe Romans 4, or that may be Galatians. So while they're looking at that, so how do we fit in? And they're looking for that. And verse 8 says, And we, I will give you and to your offspring after you the land of sojourn and the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And so what's key is God says, and I will be their God. And the pledge result of the covenant, God says in verse 2, I will, make my, I will make my covenant. God says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. God says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant to be to you a God, be God to you rather. And then in verse 8 says, I give to you and your descendants a land as an everlasting possession. So God then is making this promise to his people, to those that will come out of the loins of Abraham. Y'all find it yet? The children. Chapter 3. What verse? 16. Read it. Now, now to Abram and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and two seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. Okay. But how do, where, are we, where are we at? You see it, my man? I, it's, well, I see something also in 3, and it says, and if you are Christ, then you are of Abraham's seed That's and it. heirs according to the promise. That's it. What verse? What verse is that? 20. Galatians 3.29. Galatians 3.29. So if we are of Christ, then we are spiritually connected to Abraham through Christ. Amen. Yeah. Now don't 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 read too much into that in reference to the land and all that. So well that means some of the land is mine. <laughs> which I've heard before and then I've heard on both sides. And yeah it does it, it says he says not the children that were born from Abraham are the, are the children of promise, but those who have the faith of faith for Abraham, they become heirs according to the promise, according to what the New Testament says. So you have to have the faith that Abraham had. And Abraham, the Bible says, and Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So in us too, we have to put our trust in Christ in order to be made righteous because the Bible says God made him to be made sin for us who knew no sin that in him we might be made the righteousness of God, which is in Christ Jesus, which is in Corinthians chapter five. So we have to put our faith in Christ and in doing so, 
it makes us righteous. That means God accepts us because our life is hidden in God with Christ. So he no longer sees us, but he sees Christ and we're in Christ and we're new creatures. Amen. So the oldest and most sacred Jewish custom is the custom of circ- the, the circ- is circumcision. In Hebrew, it means berit milha, meaning covenant of circumcision. It is the removal of the foreskin of the male reproductive organ by cutting. Normally, it's done at the temple or the synagogue. Uh, it's interesting. In 1935, Professor H. Dan proposed the name vitamin K for the factor in the food that, that helps prevent hemorrhaging in the body, in, in baby chicks, rather. We know today as vitamin K is responsible for, it's produced by the liver, it's responsible for producing prothrobium, prothrobium, prothrobium. Thank you for you nurses, y'all know how to pronounce that. So Dr. S.I. McClendon, McMillan, he depicts a graph in his book, and none of those, none of these, these diseases, quote unquote, name of the book, portrays how pro thrombin is above 100% of normal in day eight of all males life. So in other words, the blood clotting factor is above 100% at day eight of a male. Then after that and before that, it's less than 100%. So what is he saying? Medically speaking, the, the optimum time for Healing or presenting, preventing from bleeding to death or or performing this operation is the eighth day of the child's life. You think that's a coincidence? So it goes to show also how sovereign God is. So El Shaddai in his infinite wisdom causes the body to generate the highest level of this blood clotting factor at eight days old. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Somebody read this next slide. 1400 years later, Judah is cut off. Jeremiah 7, 31 through 32. No one will fray them away, as did Abraham. In Genesis 15, our covenant was ratified when Christ bore our sins in his own body on a tree becoming a curse for us. And I am glad about it. How about you? Anybody else glad about it? So point being, at the end of, the, at the end of our lesson, it talks about those who do not keep the covenant. They will be cut off, you know. Kind of a play on words because we know the covenant, a covenant means to cut around or cut away. And those who do not keep the covenant will be cut off. And, and in, in Genesis 15, when, when God was, Abraham cut the animals and the birds was coming down to uh, eat the animals, Abraham frayed them away. He, he shooed them away and said, God says, nobody's going to shoo me away when I come down to those that have been disobedient. And so he cuts off Israel and in Jeremiah, they get carried off to the land of Babylon. Uh, I have a question. Yes, ma'am. I guess it's kind of a question. Um, do you remember when Abra- Moses was going down to Egypt when God was calling him to go down to free the people? Mm-hmm. And uh, God met him in the way and was going to take his life? Mm-hmm. Um, and Zipporah, it's because he had not circumcised his, his sons. sons. And he was going to kill him, but Zipporah circumcised the son and save Moses from death because it's, it said that God was going to, I going think to kill him. In, yeah, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, Exodus 4, I believe. 4 in that chapter. Amen. And she got the force and threw it at Moses' feet because she was upset. What a bloody husband. So the question then, in, in reference to that then, yeah, why why didn't he not circumcise him? That's my question. I want to know that. Why didn't he? <laughs> I don't know. You don't want me to start thinking like a like a husband. Well, I think like a husband then. 
I'm just thinking like a husband. There's no scripture background. I mean, to was support he it. too preoccupied with what he was doing? Uh, okay. But you know, this son had to be well over eight days. Mm-hmm. He so well eight days. Well over eight days. So I don't know at what point you know God gave him that charge. But this little boy was already here, so he should have done this. Right. He procrastinated. He procrastinated. <laughs> Well, I said, you ain't cutting my boys. No, nah, I don't know that. I'm just saying. I don't know why, but. But she did it. She, she cut did, her right. Boy. She did it. Because she realized that God was going to kill Abram. I mean, uh, Moses. So what do you think, uh, Minister Fred? You need a mic? You need a mic? You, you got some comments I heard you over there. Go ahead and make your comments, and, uh, and after you finish, close us out, close us out in prayer. i got to go get ready for, for singing. Okay? Thank you. I, I think Moses was just procrastinating on, on something that he supposedly did. It was a lot he, he, he had done, and he knew he had, didn't do it while, before they came and started uh, delivering the children of Israel out. So... He knew it was something that he supposed to do. That just like all of us, we know that it is something that the Lord wants us to do, but we always procrastinate. And so his wife came up and and she remember, like all good wives do, they remember and they always tell us what's going on. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.